<laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy, Therese Paler, Chief Beat Writer for the Kansas City Star. You are listening to the Sports Beat KC Podcast. And I'm in the KC Podcast studio on another solo mission, day 18. Everybody's out on assignment once again. So it's just me getting you ready for the NFL Combine. It's that week. It's that time of year again. It's fun. You know, I don't know about you, but it's fun. You know, how can you not like the Combine? How can you not like how can you not like uh, you know, scouting players and trying to figure out who can play and all that stuff? And guess what? By the time this drops, it should drop on Monday. The Combine, uh, I'll be flying out on f- uh, for the Combine on Tuesday and <laughs> yep, I'll be back uh uh, on Sunday, so I'll be uh, I'll be interviewing players and trying to get a sense for they if they love football and just trying to trying to see who can play and do some reporting and all that stuff. So that's what this is, man. This is your combine preview podcast, and uh, I appreciate you guys listening, of course. And I I got a we got a special guest this week. This is my main man. I teased it in my last podcast, but this is my main man from Bleacher Report, Matt Miller. You can find him. At uh, NFL Draft Scout, that's his handle on Twitter, uh, and like this, this dude, like Matt Miller's the dude, man. He he can evaluate talent. Like this dude knows what he's doing. He's one of those guys out there that I know he does the work. I trust him. You know, I trust his takes. I I can't. I respect Matt Miller. I, I like Mayock too. Like Mayock does the work, um, but like Matt's my dude. I'm with this dude, and I think, uh, you know, I, I thought. He this okay. Put it this way: He had Marcus Peters six on his big board last year, even with all his issues or whatever. He did his own report and he figured out what kind of player he was, and he had a eye, and he ended up being proven right. So, look, man, Matt's the dude. Um, he's the lead NFL writer for Bleacher Report again. It was just great to be able to talk to him. A about what the Chiefs need heading into the draft, even though that's going to change with free agency. We talked about that, and B. Um, you know, he gave me his opinion on the up the progress of D Ford, Big Fish, and Marcus Peters. And yeah, like I talk a lot about those guys because those are your first round picks the last three years. Whoever the Chiefs next first round pick this year is gonna be, I'm gonna write a lot about him too. It's the first round pick, gotta make it. So uh, Matt watches NFL film too, so I wanted to get his opinion on how those guys have fared uh, this year. And we so we talk about that, and then finally we we run through five or so different positions that I think the Chiefs, just in my conversation with people and just using common sense, uh, that I think the Chiefs might be wise to start investing resources in through the draft. And he, he he names players that can fit, like, what the Chiefs do well. So this was, like, a really informative fo- podcast. It was a fun podcast. There's a little bit of talk about, you know, technical scouting stuff. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, I enjoyed interviewing Matt. Matt's a great dude, man. And, again, I – can't recommend him um, more fully before we head on to the combine. So, all right, all right, here we go. Remember, as always, on these solo joints, I like to chime in when uh, yeah, on these solo joints, I like to chime in when necessary. Yeah, you guys have to forgive me. I've been a little under the weather, but yeah, I like to chime in when somebody says something interesting. So we'll do some of that. But this was a good, solid seventeen-minute interview with this guy, and you know, let's let's turn it up. Let's turn it up. It's time to. Is that we moved on to draft season now, and anybody who knows me knows that. Uh, you know, that's also known as my time here. So, all right, let's go. Let's uh, get this thing cranking. My main man Matt Miller. We talk about the NFL Combine and a lot of other things. 
right now on KC Star, a Sports Beat KC podcast. Let it go. All right. Okay, we're here with Matt Miller. My friend, Matt, how are you, my man? Doing great, man, and I uh, appreciate you having me on. No, we appreciate you coming on, man. It's it's the fun time of year right now, man. It's uh, combine season, it's scouting season, and the best thing about you is that you've been on this for months already. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's a it's a full time job. You know, the the draft season never stops. I mean, football season never does, as you know. But like, you know, people want draft information year round now, which is not always conducive to like a you know a full on like you know three to five game study of a player. But um, people are, are definitely in love with the draft. That's for sure. That's for sure. And I just want to I want to say like this guy, folks, you're listening. This guy knows what he's doing. This guy's one of the best talent evaluators out there in the media. Um, and just to be clear, I mean, man, you could be you could be doing this, um, you know, for a team if you wanted, man. But this is like you get a sense of freedom in the media that's good. I mean, I've heard Daniel Jeremiah talk about this too. Like, if you're actually doing it for a team, like, there's a lot of. I mean, you're doing a lot more background work than just watching yeah. and evaluating talent, right? And that's that's just kind of a different thing, right? It is a different thing. Um, you know, there's some similarities. We're all looking for the same thing. We're all looking for the next great football player. Um, mm-hmm. But you're also looking for guys who can just fill out a roster. You know, not every draft pick is made to be the next Joe Montana or, or John Elway. So, um, like what I've heard DJ say this too, and, and the line I always get people when they say, like, well, why don't you work for a team? Because I have better job security. Yep. I have better hours. Um, I don't have to leave my kids as often as, as a guy would working for a team. So um, it's flattering for you to say that, you know, that, that you feel like I'm not qualified. But I, I've always said that, like, the, the job in the media, if you can get a job as a, a draft analyst for one of the bigger platforms, that's like – the best job in the world because I work out of my home office in a tiny town in Missouri that no one's ever heard of. And I just travel around where I need to go, but you do, you have job security. Um, if I miss on a player, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get heckled on Twitter, but I'm not going to lose my job. No. If you work for a team and you miss on a player, especially a first rounder, you could be losing your job. If the GM gets fired, you're probably looking for another job. So that lifestyle is just not really, what I wanted for my kids, so this has been just a really, really good path for me. And I, I, the only reason I bring that up is because I want to just reiterate again, man, you're one of the best to do it, so thank you for coming on. Um, and I suggest people go back and read Matt's archives. He's got this really great series of how to scout different positions. That's really, really in a, really informative if you're a draft breakdown guy like me and you like to really delve into it. So thanks for putting that out there, man. And I, I I actually want to ask you a little bit about the Chiefs' uh, first-round pick last year, Marcus Peters. I mean, you nailed that one. He was number six overall on your board. Just what what did you see in him that you felt was going to translate to this level? Well, when you brought him up, I immediately started smiling because that's my <laughs> guy. Um, you nailed you know, it. I think man. sometimes we we like overthink things. Like sometimes. I'll just break in real quick to say. Um, I just, it was cool to hear him like say that about Peters because like I think anybody that followed me knew like I was that way about Kendricks, like when you watched Eric Kendricks who got drafted by the Vikings in the second round, like when you watch three hundred, four hundred plus guys, they're guys, and it's you can't like turn that off either. There are guys that you just kind of become attached to as prospects. You think they're underrated. You're big fans of them. You're like this guy's gonna be a good player. 
And Eric Kendricks is a good player. Like he had a really nice season for Minnesota. Um, you know, the, what I learned from that, though, because if you turned on his tape, that was first-round tape. But what I learned from that, though, is that uh, the physical skills really matter in the first round. Like teams that teams take chances, not even take chances, but like if if you're a hurt guy, if you have a sloppy body, that's going to drop you out the first round. Like you got to run fast, you got to run well, you got to look the part. Like they can't make a lot of exceptions from whatever formula they're using to draft guys in the first round because that's such an important pick. And that's the thing that, you know, I kind of took from that. That and inside linebackers have a little less importance. And, I, you know, and here's the thing too, man. Like you can't – you couldn't turn on the tape. So the physical thing is the reason why – by why uh, Kendricks dropped to second round because like he's a hurt guy in college, and he was always uh, nicked up with something, and he didn't have like a great body, uh, and that's why Stephon Anthony went ahead of him, and that was the Clemson linebacker, you know, who has a great body <laughs> and runs fast and you know looks the part. That's why because but if you turned on their film, like Kendricks was the better player in my opinion. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't particularly close. I didn't see any linebackers do what Kendricks did as a player in college. And, I, I, again, Kendricks is a good player, but, like, it's important to learn, you know. Like, if you're one of those guys and you like to watch tape, if you go to draft breakdown and you're looking at tape of guys, like, don't beat yourself up too much. Like, you miss on guys sometimes. You got to learn. Like, you really got to learn. Um, for instance, another thing I learned, like, cornerbacks, right? Like, the reason I had Kevin Johnson ahead of Marcus Peters other than the off-field stuff, which I I couldn't vet that, so that's why I had him outside the first round because if if it wasn't for that stuff, he would have had a first-round grade for me. But, like, that's why because, you know, anyway, like, I with corners, I thought with the Chiefs, like, it was really important to be able to flip and run and do all that and, like, be really smooth. And Johnson is really smooth. Like, he's a smoother kind of athlete, more traditional corner than Peters. But I think in today's NFL, and this is important, teams are throwing it on you anyway. They're going to throw it on you anyway because the rules are so slanted. So what you need – are guys with ball skills that can go get it and take the ball away and are confident. And that's there's a real premium on guys like that now. And that's why Peters is successful. So that's important. Like, look for ball skills in your corners. Like, they have to have that. Uh, I mean, it, the days of just being, like, a great cover guy. Like, I mean, that's great. You'll take it. Don't get me wrong. Like, But, like, take the ball away. That's the safest – honestly, that's the safest way to help your team, that corner. So – I digress a little much, a little more. I just want to kind of share my personal opinions on that. Let's get back to Matt. Here we go. The best prospect, just a guy who can play football. Like it, it's, it's not rocket science. Sometimes, okay, is he tall enough? Is he fast enough? Is he long enough? And is he aggressive enough? Sometimes that's all, all you need. And with Peters, it's like, okay, you check every one of those boxes. And you know, I know that there were a lot of question marks about the guy because he got kicked off the team at Washington. But something I did was I reached out to him, and I got to know him a little bit. And I got to know his agent, and I got to know the people who were training him. And I, I just talked to the people around him. It was like, you know, if you were, you know, I've known some of these guys for a decade. And so, I, you know, hey, don't burn me on this kid, but what do you think of him? Mm-hmm. And everyone I talked to said that, you know, he became a father last year, and that changed his life. You know, it, it grew him up a little bit. And then also, I think the reality of getting kicked off the team of Washington. And, you know, he never came out and made an excuse about that. He didn't throw the coaches under the bus. He, he took that one on the chin. And those were the things for me that, like, so answer the, the red flags. But on the field, 
I think for corners, you either have to be fast enough to run with receivers or long enough to recover. And he, oddly enough, has both of those traits. So you see him, you know, matched up against number one receivers, but he's fast enough to flip those hips and run, you know, and hips and feet are so important for corners. And with Marcus, there's no hesitation in his hips. When it's time to turn and run, he's there. But he's also just straight out fast enough that he can turn around with guys. He can plant and come up and attack the ball. And as we saw this year with, what, eight interceptions? I mean, yeah. he, he finds the ball, he locates quickly, and he is super aggressive to close on it. And then he has the hands to, to flip the field. So to me, man, he was like one of the best corners I've ever seen. Um, and as you mentioned, I have my archives out there um, the last five or six years. So you can go look where I've ranked corners over the past you know, five to six drafts. And he's one of the best that's done it. Yeah, and one thing, I've gotten to know Marcus a little because I've covered him the last half a year. That guy loves football, and I like him. I like him as a guy. I think he just loves football, and he's super aggressive and into it. Um, and I, obviously they hit on that pick. Two guys I think you liked as well um, that I'm interested to kind of get your take on because, I, I mean, you look at tape of guys in the league now too. Obviously, uh, D4 and Eric Fisher. Just, you know, what is your take on those guys? I'm actually pretty curious to know what you think of how they've developed. Well, I think they're developing better than I expected. I came into the 2015 season with no expectations for those guys. Mm -hmm. So the fact that Fisher, you know, early on there were some struggles. You know, there were the question marks about, does this guy even want to be on the field? But I thought he really recovered well and rebounded. And you're starting to see some of that player again Mm -hmm. who we saw at Central Michigan. And uh, and I'll say this, whether it sounds like I missed on him or not, his senior bowl week was one of the two or three best I've ever seen. I mean, he he just dominated people down there in Mobile for a week. Right. I mean, it was it was unreal. So he he has it in him to be a good player. I think so. I think he has to learn how to work like an NFL tackle. I think he has to get stronger. You know, there's been some injury issues. But I was really impressed with how well he came around this year. Um, and just the way he finished the season. I think that there's some hope there now for a guy who, you know, through all his trials and tribulations, maybe he can become an everyday left tackle. And D Ford, kind of the same deal. You know, here's a guy who I understood the pick of the time. It's okay. We've got, you know, Thomas getting older. Let's get a guy in here and let's develop him uh, behind Thomas so that we have, we don't have a, a step off at production and outside linebacker, which is the, the strength of that defense. So I think that Ford, it's too easy to look at him and say, we could have drafted this guy or we could have drafted that guy because it's too early to tell the story of his career. He was a developmental pick, and he's developing. You know, we saw production this year when he was asked to play more. I thought he stepped in and did well, and you're starting to see some of the qualities there, the length, the speed, the, the ability to turn the corner. Um, that's all coming together. Now, he's not a finished product, but I think he's shown enough that if there is an opening at outside linebacker next year, uh, opposite Justin Houston, I think he's good enough to take that starting job. Good. Okay, so you know we've done a lot of talking about all three of those guys, but you know if you're worried about Fisher and you're worried about Ford, I understand why. But you know Matt seems a little more optimistic about their future than others perhaps do. Um, and I just thought that was an interesting take, and I would agree with what he said. I really would. Uh, yeah, just keep moving. Keep keep it moving. Stuff, good stuff. Let's dive into the draft, baby. That's what people are tuning in for. Um, just curious, yeah, you've seen the Chiefs a little bit this year. I mean, what are some positions that you think it might be wise for them to focus on 
early in the draft. When I say early, I mean with the first hundred picks. You know what? Yeah, you- the Chiefs is a weird year because free agency is going to dictate a lot of needs. Yeah. You know, are, are are we going to need another number one corner? Uh, what's going to happen on the offensive line where you've got a couple guys, key guys who are free agents? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's going to happen at inside linebacker with DJ? Um, so th- those would be the areas that I would look at. You know. The, the existing free agents, which of those guys don't come back, that's going to be an area to fill in the draft. Now, in an ideal world, EB's back at safety, so you don't have to worry about that. And and you start to look at, okay, Sean Smith, would love to have that guy back, so maybe you don't have to go for a corner in round one. Uh, I still look at the offensive line as an area that has to get better. They, they hit on Mitch Morris last year. I mean, that's a, a building block, a potential blue chip center that you can really anchor a line around. I think Jeff Allen's a great player as well. So you've got a couple guys there. If you can keep them together, you can work with that. But I, I could see offensive line, especially on the right side. I could see another receiver uh, being an option, even with picking up, uh, you know, picking up Macklin. If it draft Chris Conley, I, I think they have to get better at receiver still. So those are some some spots I would look in, in the first hundred picks. Like you said, it's kind of all over the map right now for the Chiefs. But hopefully, you know, the combine's coming up soon. You and I will start to hear some rumors about which guys are re-signing, which guys are hitting the open market, and that'll kind of narrow that focus a little bit. But I think what they've done in Kansas City with a, a good mix of best player available and also going for value at some need positions has has really worked well for what what Reed and Dorsey want to do. For sure, and I've I'm a beat writer, man. I've I've done a little sniffing around, and I think um, you know just just observing the team sniffing around i got some positions i like your opinion on as far as guys that might fit into what they like to do okay um running back just i'm just curious do you see any three down Jamal charlesish running backs in this draft that can be had second round later than that just work with me here do you do you see anybody that could fit in andy reed's offense that might be a good value pick yeah, definitely do. Uh, no Jamal Charles. I'm not going to make that bet. But mm-hmm. there are some guys who could definitely be, like you said, three down backs. Uh, I think Paul Perkins from UCLA could be a three down back. Mm-hmm. You can get him around too. Um, catches the ball well. He's got some shake to him. He can, you know, get outside the tackles. Uh, I like CJ Procise from Notre Dame. Maybe as a round mm-hmm. three guy. Um, he only played running back for one year. Played receiver before that. But he's built like a back. I, I got the opportunity to see him in person play against USC. He checks the boxes for me. Now, he's been banged up a little bit, which could, could hurt his draft stock. But if you want a guy who can catch out of the backfield, who has some open field speed, has good vision, like he's definitely a guy that you got to take a look at. And then. Well, Procise is an interesting cat now. Um, you know, not a whole lot of experience at running back, like he said, but he's 6'1, 220. Like he was playing receiver at Notre Dame until they moved him. So. This was like a big dude, <laughs> and they want versatile guys, and it seems like ProSize would be one of the cats to kind of fit the bill. Um, now, Matt's about to enter – is about to name a guy I really like. Um, just listen. Uh, I'm not sure if you caught him in, in Mobile, but Kenneth Dixon from Louisiana Tech, yeah, uh, I think he could fit in just about any offense. You know, really he's like kind him. of kind of reminds me a little of Niall Davis, not that fast, mm-hmm. but just a – powerful angry runner so i'm a big fan of his all right all right um one thing i'll say about that um you know uh dixon is a pretty versatile guy um very productive in college number one but he's also a very versatile guy um decent size 
213. So in that way, he does look similar to to Nile. But one thing, one thing that's probably like a little different between the two, is that Nile's always, yeah, you know, Nile's always struggled to catch the football. You know what I mean? That was always uh, that was always like a real thing with him. <laughs> you know, uh, this year Dixon had 34 catches, so he's a natural catcher. He also caught seven touchdowns, and it's important. It's like Nile got better at it, but like sometimes catching is just what that is. You can work hard at it, but sometimes you either have it or you don't. And Dixon's slippery and elusive, but he's he's a good little back. I, I don't think he'll get out of round two, but and you're probably out there wondering like why why would the Chiefs look at a running back? Like Jamal's coming back. Well, Jamal be 29, and Spencer Warren Sharkandrick did good too. But you know, let's say Jamal doesn't come back after next year, that could happen. You're probably gonna want like another another like value guy you know another uh guy you've invested a high pick in in that mix you know now davis might not be back either you know he just kind of just did i mean he's a good kick returner but like he got leapfrogged by both west and Ware. that's probably not a good sign for his future i don't know i just think running back and i've heard like maybe running back somewhere that they could look to boost up somewhere along the way if they can find a good value so let's continue next position I do like Davis, by the way. Uh, t- tell me about a right tackle, man. I think that's the position that they could really – they really help themselves. I li- like, Ja Reed did a fine job and all, but, like, they really helped themselves by getting a developmental right tackle in there first round or later. I mean, just – do you see anybody that kind of checks the boxes for Andy for a right tackle? You know, the guy I really like is Gerald Hawkins at LSU. And what's intriguing to me, I mean, he's – He's got the mean streak. Uh, he has the movement skills for that blocking scheme. What I like, though, is he played right tackle for two years, and then he switched to left tackle when Lyle Collins went to the NFL last year. So, like, he has that positional versatility. And that's important because don't, don't forget now, Big Fish, they're going to have to exercise a contract uh, option with him. they got to decide whether they want to pay him $10 million for 2016. Sorry, for 2017, so – there's some interesting stuff coming on, and a guy like Hawkins, who can maybe play left tackle if you need him, who's a big guy, six six three oh nine, nasty guy, it might be an option. He's a right tackle, a guy that you can train there. I mean, he, I kind of like it. If he's still there, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Let's contend. Hold on. There we go. But you can see him playing two positions, and it's on the film. So you're not projecting. You're not looking at a left tackle who's maybe a little heavy-footed and saying, oh, let's just kick this guy over to right tackle. It'll work. Like, you've seen him do it. Now, I think he's probably a first-round pick heading into the combine. You know, we'll see what happens over the next few months. But he would be a player I think you'd have to draft you know, at the end of the first round. You know, going into round two, I think this tackle class is deep at the top, not so much at the bottom. Sean Coleman from Auburn might be a guy who's there in round two. Um, he's kind of an interesting story. He's a little bit older because he missed some time battling cancer, but came back, finished his season really strong at Auburn, decided to come out early this year. But he's a guy I think could be an, an everyday right tackle. Now, Coleman's a big guy, again, from Auburn. He's 6'6", 3'11". That's what I'm looking for. I kind of want that size. Just, you know, he has the strength. He has the mean streak. He just has to put it together for some consistency. But, but he's an intriguing athlete for sure. All right, just three more positions before I let you go. Um, now, obviously, Jay Howard, you know, that, that thing is still being worked out. We don't know if he'll be back. But Don Tari Poe would be a free agent after next year too. So 
I think they could use maybe a nose or a three tech. Just uh, do you see anybody that kind of fits the bill there for a three four scheme? Well, the great news is this is one of the deepest defensive tackle classes I've ever seen. So there's there should be guys there in round one. You know, you start to talk about Vernon Butler from Louisiana Tech and Austin Johnson from Penn State. Uh, they're probably round one candidates. You know, guys like Andrew Billings from Baylor would probably be off the board if he's there, though. You know, he's the type of guy you jump all over. Same for Jaron Reed from Alabama. Um, so, you know, that's five nose tackle candidates, just who should be round one picks. You start to get into round two. You know, you look at, okay, well, you know, could a guy like Anthony Zettel maybe play a three-tech, you know, as a sub-package guy from Penn State? Uh, I definitely think that he could. Um, I like Hassan Ridgeway from Texas in round two, and, and he could play the nose, but he's also moved around on that D-line for the Longhorns. He played some played some one-tech, played some zero, played some three, uh, especially in 2014 when they had Malcolm Butler, so or Malcolm Brown, excuse me. So he's a, definitely, a, I, I think right now, probably a top 50 to 60 player. Uh, who could definitely be there in round two and make a, a pretty early impact. How about a cornerback? Um, I am I mean, the, the Sean Smith thing is up in the air, but, you know, if they can't afford him, they've already got games, they've got Peters, but you can never have enough cornerbacks in the days NFL. Can you give me some guys you like that could be there first, second round that fit like a press man scheme or even some of the off stuff Peters did this year? Just Who do you see fitting for the Chiefs at corner? Well, we can, you know, take Jalen Ramsey off the list because yeah. he's not going to last that far, Jaylen's unfortunately. Be long he would be, gone. <laughs> he, long gone. He'd be great for that defense, though. I, I don't think that McKenzie Alexander or uh, Vernon Hargraves would be a great fit, even if they're there, just mm-hmm. because they're not great in that press man. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they, they're off corner. So. Uh, let me just add something here. I, I like I like Alexander, man. I'm, I'm in on that guy, but Matt has a point. The thing is, though, the Chiefs played a lot more off coverage than you believe. Than, than you might have thought. I mean, the first year they were here, Sutton was here. They did a lot of press man coverage, but you you guys saw that New England game in the playoffs. There's a lot of off coverage. Chiefs do that a lot, and I mean, if Alexander fell or Hargraves fell, those are guys that can flip and run. And I mean, these are natural cover men. So I I actually don't think that they're as caught up in the. I mean, they've got their positional demands like you got to be like five eleven and a half and your arms do have to be a certain length but like I don't I actually don't think they're as caught up in that as I once did I think they're looking for guys that can cover and break on the ball and click and close as a scouting term of the week by the way click and close which is diagnosing from the cornerback position which is diagnosing what you see in front of you and off coverage and chopping up ground quickly and breaking on the ball that's what that is um but anyway, my point is, like, I, I actually don't think that would keep them from taking a look at Alexander or uh, Hargraves. But you never know. You never know. Maybe Peters was just a special case. Anyway, let's go. You start to look at like, Xavier Howard from Baylor, who I think is going to blow up at the combine. Mm-hmm. Like, I, don't be surprised if this kid gets in the late first round because he, he has the length, he has the speed, and he's perfect for that press man scheme. Um, you know, I think that you know, Kendall Fuller is probably a second-round player who would fit in well there. I think Eli Apple, maybe late first, early second-round guy who would be a good fit just because of his length. Um, you know, Will Redman from Mississippi State battled an injury this year, but – uh, should be back for week one and be healthy. He's definitely physical enough. You know, he doesn't have that prototypical, you know, six one long arms, but he's he's a solid five eleven and can jam and, and be feisty up at the line of scrimmage. All right, last last position we'll get you out of here. Just inside linebacker. They drafted a couple last year. 
Derek Johnson to be a free agent though, and maybe if the right value is there, it wouldn't hurt to get his, you know, get a get a higher quality kind of prospect in the mix there. Do you, do you see anybody that could be a good fit there? Or, I mean, basically, is there any chance Jalen Smith falls that far? I guess is the question. <laughs> I don't think there is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think there is. I... By the way, Jalen Smith is a guy that I, I named on the 2016 All Juice team a year ago. That's how much I like Jalen Smith as a prospect. I know I really went out on a limb there, but. No, I'm just a fan. Like, there was no need to wait another year. I knew he was going to be on the team. He had a really tough break, Jalen did. He hurt his, uh, I believe he tore his ACL um, in, the, in their bowl game. <laughs> just terrible luck. Um, yeah, it was a torn left ACL, MCL. And it's just terrible luck. But, like, if teams would be goofy enough to pass on a three-down guy like that just because he's got an injury that guys recover from all the time, the Chiefs – would be wise to make them pay. Like the Chiefs would be wise to to take advantage of it if teams want to be goofy like that and not uh, <laughs> and let the guy like that pass. But yeah, anyway, man, uh, let's continue. I would become a Chiefs fan if that happened, though. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, Jalen's a special player. Uh, Reggie Ragland might be there uh, from Alabama as an inside backer. Um, he would definitely be a good fit. Now. The way that I've, you know, kind of studied draft trends, I don't know. One quick thing to note about Reggie Ragland, uh, he's 6'2", 258, okay, uh, and he's from Alabama. People like him as a prospect. I haven't seen enough on him, but I do think it might be tough for them to go with another Alabama linebacker after the Nico Johnson failed experiment. Fourth-round pick 2013 didn't last two full years. I think, I think that's going to be – tough to uh <laughs> I think I'd, I'd, I'd actually was it two three three four years in the last three four years I think that'd be tough I do think that'd be tough uh yeah as much as people like Reggie maybe the Chiefs don't go back to Alabama for inside linebackers that Dorsey and Reed would spend on an inside backer because you know Dorsey comes from that Green Bay Ted Thompson bottle where yeah. you don't invest in inside linebackers early. It's a lot of middle round guys like what they did last year. So uh, knowing that, you know, you can take a lot of guys just completely off the board. They're out of the list. Uh, as far as mid round guys go, Antonio Morrison from Florida, mm-hmm. and Blake Martinez from Stanford, uh, two guys we saw at the senior bowl. I, I think they would both be good fits. Now Martinez isn't the fast side linebacker you're going to see, but he's just super tough and finds the ball. He's so instinctive. Um, if he's there in round three, maybe round four, I think he's a good value on a guy who maybe, you know, I, I don't know anyone's going to replace Derek Johnson, but as far as someone who could develop into a starter, he, he fits that mold. And a, just just a bonus thing, I, I anticipate them probably being fine at safety, but if they do end up having to draft a guy, do you see anyone you like? I like a lot of safeties this year. Um, you know, Darian Thompson from Boise he has a free safety. Guy has range. He has hands. He can. He can really do it all. Um, uh, Von Bell and Tyvis Powell from Ohio State. You know, two high-profile guys. I think they're probably closer to round two players. Jeremy Cash at Duke would be a good strong safety candidate. Uh, he's someone they moved around a lot, kind of let him play all over. He would definitely be a good fit too. Excellent. Hey man, what's man? What's the best way for people to find your work, my friend? Uh, Twitter is probably the best way at NFL Draft Scout or on your team stream app. Just subscribe to my feed. Do you have anything you want to promote, my friend? 
Nothing. I'm a, I have no, no products to shill or anything. <laughs> All right. I said I'd keep you for 15. I kept you for 17. Hope you forgive me, but it was just so good. I had to ask about the safeties. I just had to That's know. That's right, man. So, hey, I appreciate it, man. I'll, I'll be seeing and hearing more from you guys. Make sure you check this guy out. He knows what he's doing. Matt, thanks again, my friend. See you at the Combine. Yeah, thanks, man. Safe travels. All right. Have a good one, Matt. See you. So a pretty good interview with Matt, man. He really kind of helped us lay the foundation for our draft covers this year. Still trying to decide whether or not I'm going to do what I did last year when I looked at the tape all those guys. I might take a different approach because that just zapped me for two months, and it's just it's probably it's just not reasonable. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, I, I'll – I'm going to I'm going to try to give you the same good coverage though with like a little different approach. Probably something a little less reliant on me and a little more reliant on um people who are actually paid to do that full time. That probably makes more sense. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't regret it. Like that was really fun. Like I'd always wanted to do like a draft guy, draft guy like that and I mean, god, I wrote a reports for like 10 for like uh for for over 200 guys, I think. I mean, and I watched tape of all of them, too. So, like, it was fun. And there's still part of me that's going to want to do some of that this year, and I probably will. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with letting the draft experts have that because they pay me to do a lot around here, uh, including reporting right. It's hard to report right and watch films. So uh, I do think we're going to have our great draft coverages, though, this year. You don't have to worry about that. We're going to go hyper-local going to be a lot of stuff on local guys at the combine and during pro days and all that. I'm going to take care of you guys, man. It's that fun time of year. So remember, remember, uh, you know, just keep listening, keep watching. I appreciate you guys doing that. If it wasn't for you guys, I couldn't do what I love, which is uh, watch football, report about it and write about it, man. It's a great job. A lot of, lot, like any job, you know, there's some, there's some things about it that aren't great, but every day I wake up and I'm grateful for what I do for a living. So thank you guys for listening and all that. Um, I also need you guys to go to iTunes, rate and review us, uh, Sports Beat KC. It just helps. Just do it. I ask you every week. Please keep doing it. I appreciate the guy. I appreciate you guys that have done it. Thank you. We've gotten uh, 26 ratings, 17 reviews. So at the, as of this moment, so thanks guys, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, and at the, hey, that's gonna do it for this week. You know, we'll come back next week with a post combine edition going to be good stuff. You know I'm going to have stuff. I'm going to be in Indianapolis for four days, five nights, guys. Like You think I'm not going to have good stuff for you? Yeah, I didn't mind. You got to listen. Going to go heavy technical like we've been doing. Uh, if you like this new format, holler at me. Keep, in, you know, keep positive reinforcement. You know, we're just trying to find our identity on this podcast, and I think, I, think people, I think you guys do like this. So just let me know if you do like it, if you haven't already. Um, we'll keep trucking, baby. We'll keep it moving. So for uh, Sam, Vahe, Blair, our excellent uh, editors, Jeff Rosen and Chris Fickett. I'm your main man, Therese Paler, signing off for the rest of the A-Team. Hit the music. See you guys next week. Peace.